Thank you very much, uh, Rebecca. Um, I'm not sure one's allowed to say one enjoys prayers, but that, that was great. Thank you. Um, right, let's, um, let's begin by asking you to do, do something. Um, I'm going to ask you two questions, one of which I'm uh, going to let you answer just for yourselves. You don't have to do... Um, you can talk to each other, but you don't have... Not, no one's going to kind of shout... I'm not going to ask anyone to shout it out. And then I'm going to ask you a second one, and that is going to be a shout-out question. <laughs> At some previous point in your life, or in most of our lives, we will have wanted to be uh, someone other than we are. I mean, someone we might actually know, in other words. Um, or it might be that we've wanted to fulfill a role other than the one that has been allotted to us. When you're very young, you may have wanted to be a I don't know, firefighter or a princess um, or whatever uh, it, it may have been. Um, or it may have been a named individual. So uh, for the, first, the first question I want to ask you is, uh, when you were younger, and it can be uh, from five minutes ago, younger, I suppose, who or what did you want to be other than yourself? Just think about that quietly for a minute. And I'm not going to subvert it so you can, you can give an honest answer to yourself. I'm not going to catch you out later. How many of you need some more time on that? Okay, fine, good. Now, the question, next question I want is, what was it? And this is where I, I would invite you to, to kind of call out. I will, I will move among you, and you can, you can say. Um, what was it about that person or that role that you wanted to be, uh, that was attractive and that made you... Just think of one word. What was, what was the thing that was attractive about that person, that role, that made you want to be that person or that role? What was, just think of one word that sums up the, uh, the attractiveness to you of, of whatever that might be. And in case it helps, I'll, I'll, I'll show you mine. Can I, can I have my, um, my first slide up, please, Andrew? <laughs> um, some years ago, I did a, master, uh, a, a, master, a master's degree, an MPhil. And it, it's theoretically open to me at some point to translate it and work harder and get my um, doctorate. And that would make me Doctor Strange. And that would be the fulfillment of almost a lifetime's ambition. Because when I was kind of sort of, I don't know, 10 or 11, I was a lot smaller than I am now. And uh, uh, everyone else was a lot bigger. And I really wanted to be able to go zap. And power, power lines would come out of my fingers and fry those I didn't like. 
but I've become much nicer since then. So powerful was the thing that I, I wanted, uh, uh, th that was the, the thing that was attractive uh, in someone else. Um, so uh, let's have some offerings of what it might be that, that you wanted. Oh, yeah, why not? Let's have, let's have a stick mic. Adam. Entertaining. Entertaining. Just one word. Powerful. Okay, powerful. Okay. Patient. Patient. Okay. Talented. Talented. Okay. Come, on, I'm going to take at least, at least a couple more. Rob. Adventure. Oh, adventure. I like that one. Okay. Jürgen? Glory. Thank you. Illuminate? I was wished to be a nun and have a quiet time. Okay. A nun. Wow. Cool. Uh, any others? One more. <clears throat> Mike. Speedy. S speedy. I love that. What I love is, is if you kind of know people a little, there's a kind of um, really kind of interesting fit. Uh, nobody said what you really, really wanted to be was stable, which means that when we come to look at Psalm 148 today, uh, we've got to recognize that this isn't the characteristic that's at the top of our mind. Would you please turn to page 633? I'll leave Dr. Strange up for a minute. There's other things coming. Well, let's look at the first um, verses through to the break at verse 6. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights above, praise him all his angels, praise him all his heavenly hosts, praise him sun and moon, praise him all you shining stars, praise him you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. Three times there you get Lord, um, uh, I, I, I will say this to my dying day, probably, that I regret deeply the translation um, that has those little capitals there that says Lord. Because actually there is, a, there is a name of the Lord. And the name of the Lord that's actually written in the Hebrew at this point is Yahweh. Um, so it says, praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh from the heavens. Then in verse 5, let them praise the name Yahweh, uh, for he commanded and they were created. It was just a sort of um, translational blip centuries ago that meant by convention his name became the Lord. And it, we lose the sense that there's a name to this God. It's not just a sort of, like, a, like we often say, Jesus Christ. It's not, not Christ as the surname of Jesus. Similarly, Lord is not just another way of saying God. There is a name that's there when you see it in those little capitals. What do we learn from those verses 
Well, first of all, you get the standard thing that is important in any biblical account of creation. Last week, we looked at Psalm 19. This week, we're looking at Psalm 148. In the next few weeks, we're going to go to Genesis. But one of the reasons I wanted to begin with the Psalms is because we always begin on creation with Genesis. And it's worth remembering that we have as much to learn, probably, about creation from the Psalms as we do from Genesis. Uh, Genesis just kind of cheats because it's there first in the book. Uh, So we think it must be the kind of most important or the original or whatever. Uh, This is pretty deeply laid down stuff within the biblical uh, tradition. And and first of all, you get praise the Lord uh, from the heavens, praise him in the heights above, praise him all his angels, praise him all his heavenly hosts, praise him sun and moon, praise him all you shining stars. Um, Israel which was the praising community, was set in the middle of peoples who thought that the heavens, the sun, the stars uh, were gods. So by putting it this way, the psalmist is saying, I just want to remind you folks that those things you see out in the sky, those are not gods to be worshipped. Don't go bothering worshipping the sun and the moon and the uh, heavenly hosts. They are not gods. They, with you, are praising the Lord, Yahweh. They don't sit beside him or close to him in power or might, these heavenly characters. Praise is, 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 um, is just quite an interesting word, and, and it's at the root of that word we often use, alleluia. And it's, it, it's actually just the alleluia sound. So if you like the kind of songs that have a lot of alleluia-ing, you're, you're actually being quite biblical. Um, I don't, but there are, it's just one of those things. Um, uh, but praise is that sound, ah, la, 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 which you think, well, hang on, the heavens and the stars and the sun and the moon, they do not say that, as far as I can tell. Um, but what it means, therefore, is precisely because it's not words, we're being told, let everything make the noise that belongs with itself, even if it's not words. So, let the angels, as it were, praise God with the beating of their wings. Let the uh, stars uh, praise God with, with the sound of their orbits. By making their own sound, these things are being themselves and true to themselves. The creation is praising the Lord by being itself, and that we're being told, is what the creation is for. That's worth remembering, because so often we kind of uh, use the created order, and the best we can think about it is that, well, it's, it's lovely because we know our stories from Genesis, and we say, well, the earth is there to feed us. The oil is in the ground so we can consume it and use it uh, for energy. According to Scripture and to the Psalms particularly, The created order is there, like everything else, simply because the highest thing of which the created order is capable, and what it is called to all the time, is to praise God. It is doing, it is being itself, most of all, when it is just doing what it does. And what it does is heard by God as praise. Let's go on a bit. Um, uh, Verse 7 Praise the Lord from the earth. So you do get that verse 1 was praise the Lord from the heavens. 
now in verse 7, praise the Lord from the earth. You great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. <clears throat> you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds. Well, we're going to come on to people in a minute, so let's stop there. You're beginning to see the kind of Genesis-type outline of some of the ordering of things, wild animals, cattle, small creatures, flying birds. But just as at the beginning of the psalm, when talking about the heavens and the hosts, the psalmist was making a point, they are not gods. So at the beginning of this bit about the earth, the great sea creatures and the depths are being put in their place too. Because in the ancient world, the depths and the sea creatures were figures of chaos. Especially if you lived, as uh, the Jews did, with a, a nervousness about the sea. And the other creation stories all around, from the peoples all around, talked about the taming of the uh, great sea creatures. And you do get a bit of that, actually, uh, in, in Job, uh, towards the end of Job. But this mention here is to say that God is in charge. God has subdued the forces of chaos, the, the wild and raging seas and the creatures that live in them. So the heavens are not gods, only God is God. The uh, sea creatures and the wild depths cannot uh, threaten God because God is God. We're being told something about the nature of the forces and the energies that are around in the created order. Order is going to be sustained. Now, for us, we take certain level of order for granted. Could we have a next slide, Andrew? This is not Japan. This is not California. This is St. Albans. Sinkholes are not supposed to open up in St. Albans. But I, when I saw that photo this week, I, I thought, what, what's it like waking up and, and having that? Of course, it was presented as a slightly funny item because, well, we sort of expect it from some parts of the world, but not St. Albans. But what is that like? I mean, apart from anything else, the value of your house just went through the floor as well. It's like living in Haysborough. Um, so those of you who just joined this part of the world, Haysborough's on the coast, and every, every kind of month or so, another bit of it goes missing. Um, it, it must be utterly terrifying to have that happen just outside your house. We are not used to the, the earth itself proving unstable. Because actually, in, in Norwich, if you are a Norwich person, there are all kinds of sinkholes all over the place that regularly uh, open up, but fortunately, not that big. And only rarely is there one of those reports, as there was of Rutland recently. You probably saw it, that there was an earthquake that hit 2.7 on the Richter scale, and it is just possible that a, um, uh, a rubbish bin blew over. Um, but that was probably the extent of the damage caused in Rutland. But of course we know that the earth can be much more unstable than that for those for people in other parts of the world. So, so uh, and for what it's worth, Israel and Jerusalem, that's just the same rift valley that opens up later on in, uh, in Kenya. Uh, it, stability is hugely valuable 
if you live in an unstable world. And then going on, we get kings of the nations and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children. It would have been a convention of the time that the kings of the earth were made in the image of God. So the psalmist said, yes, kings of the earth, and all nations, princes and all rulers on earth, but also young men and maidens, old men, and even children have the same status of capacity to praise, because made by God, that the kings and the rulers do. The created order praises God as heaven, as earth, and as the peoples of the earth. And they do so, and this is the bit that I didn't get till I went into the psalm a bit more, or just read it a few more times. They are created by command. Uh, Because they're created by command, they are uh, stable. Uh, Can we have the uh, next slide? There we are. That was from the men's... um, uh, recent trip up to the uh, Lake District. Um, uh, if you look at the big slab, there's a t- you can just about see uh, a line of green going across it. Somewhere in there, um, Ben and Andy and Tom and maybe a few others here are, are walking up that slab. Um, I've only got little legs and I wasn't going to do that. Uh, but so we took a photo of it. But I mean, that just that view just strikes me as astonishing in terms of that's a mountain. That's not going anywhere anytime soon. And because it is from God's command that that mountain is there, it is stable. Without God's command, it would not be stable. And that's what I want us to notice. These things do not praise God because they are created, look at verse 5. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. They don't praise God because they're they're created. They praise God because of God's creating command that they be brought into being. Uh, This is, this is the Lake District, all kinds of 19th century people wandered around it saying, oh, isn't this lovely? And I feel inspired to write a poem. Um, this is not the same kind of thing. This is not someone saying, oh, isn't it wonderful to be out in God's creation? Pass me my watercolours. This, what this is talking about, Psalm 148, is not visual primarily, though I can illustrate it with a picture, but oral Scripture doesn't prioritize what we see, but what we hear. They praise the name of the Lord, that's something we hear, because he commanded, something was heard, and they were created. What we see is, uh, is something that is making its own proper noise to God. And that's because it's his word that gives meaning to this psalm. And actually, once you go looking for it, you find it all over. I said it was there in verse 5, but look in verse 6. He set these things, the angels, the heavens, and, and sun and moon and what have you, in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. 
The stability of God's word, a decree that will never pass away, is what guarantees the fact that one of those things will not pass away. Do you get it? It's the stability of God's word that gives stability to his creation. Or um, in verse 8, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds, what are they about? They do his bidding. They go where he tells them. And so, like the creation, people, pra- people praise him, but they praise his name. It's something that they sound out. Verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. Let me try and summarize where we are at this point. The earth and its predictabilities come from the certainty of God's word in creating. So we've already learned something other and different from what Genesis on its own would teach. In Genesis, it just happens that way. Let there be, and there is. Genesis is interested in moving things forward quickly to get to the high point, the creation of humankind. Here, these things have been created, uh, and the point is twofold. That the creation once established is stable, it is reliable, it is that thing that none of us wanted to think about when we were younger and looking forward. It is stable, secondly, and reliable because it is established by God's word. Now, if that were all, well, we'd already be somewhere, wouldn't we? We could apply that in terms of God's reliability. And that would be good and it would be true. Uh, Some of you just started at uni. Lots of us can remember what it was just what it was like to start at uni. Uh, but other, there are other kinds of testing that come along. Perhaps there's illness going on for you or bereavement. The God of this psalm is more splendid, more reliable than the heavens and the earth that praise him. The God of this psalm is more impressive than that. Now, actually, I think we can go on to say more than that summary. But it's not less than that summary. So when we speak about the, God, the Word of God in that way, we're not just saying, read the Bible, though that's always a good thing. But appreciate that what God has said will endure longer than one of those. But let's move on from that summary, because we can say a bit more. Because after all, this is the Old Testament. And there are other things to say, other notes to strike. Uh, If you go back to Psalm 99, keep the finger in 148, but Psalm 99, and to verse 1, the Lord reigns, let the nations... Oh, sorry, I'll wait to the flicking. Okay, Psalm 99. The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. Verse 1 of Psalm 99. He sits enthroned between the cherubim, the angels, the senior angels. Let the earth shake. That's the nature of the earth in the Old Testament. Mostly, it endures and is completely stable. But every now and then, it shakes. And one day it will, that the mountains will skip like lambs, we're told. The the earth will become incredibly unstable. 
because the Lord God is sovereign, so sovereign over his um, uh, creation, that while for his purposes it, is, it will generally be stable, should he so choose, he is greater than the stability he has given to the creation, and the earth will shake, the mountains will skip like rams. And it's not difficult to resolve that apparent stress between the stability of the mountains and the times when they will shake. The one thing that can make the earth shake is the voice of the Creator God in His sovereignty. So when do we actually see sinkholes opening in Scripture and the earth trembling? Well, the answer is pretty obvious if you know your Old and New Testament. It is at the cross of Jesus Christ, where both of things, those things happen. Holes open up in the ground and the earth trembles and shakes. The event that is the cross of Jesus Christ is the only event remotely comparable in history to the praises of God as the Creator. The creation itself, these stabilities that Psalm 148 talks about, those are overwhelmed when the Son of God goes to his cross, and then the sovereign God makes the earth shake. It is greater in his, he is greater in his sovereignty than the stabilities of Psalm 148. Now, I deliberately wanted to do something there, because we're going to go back to Psalm 148 in a minute. So you've got 148 here with all the stabilities. Isn't this wonderful? Praise, praise, praise. Then say, over here, you've got the cross of Jesus, where the event is so enormous that even those stabilities are called into question, and God is up to something greater. But at the end of Psalm 148, you kind of get a clue as to why God might move from here over to here. And I wanted to set those kind of bookends before we go back to Psalm 148 and say what's going on. The earth and heavens praise God because in Psalm 148 because they are created. They're stable, enduring, they are reliable. But we praise him because we are not just created, we are close. Look at verse 14, if you would, of um, uh, Psalm 148. Uh, He has raised up for his people a horn, little b. Look down underneath to the footnotes, and little b says horn. Here symbolizes strong one, that is king. Yeah, probably. It's a bit of a stretch to guarantee what it symbolizes. certainly symbolizes... Oh, it's, it's not a symbol, it's a, it's a, it is a thing, it's a strong, it's a strength that is being raised up. He has raised up for his people strength, because the horn of an animal was supposed to be the strength of the animal. The praise of all his saints, his people, of Israel, the people close to his heart. Now, I want to kind of follow the logic of this. One to six, you've got the heavens. Praise the Lord from the heavens. 7 to 12, you've got praise the Lord from the earth, including people. Then 13, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He has raised up for his people a horn. 
what he has done in raising up for his people a horn, therefore, is greater than all the heavens and the stars and the sun and the moon. In, in raising up the strength that is the praise of all his saints, he is doing something greater than all the mountains and the hills, the fruit trees and all the cedars, the wild animals and small creeping things and the kings and the rulers of the earth. The love of God for his people, as the psalmist knew it, is more reliable, more staggering in its immensity, because then his people he's not just created, but according to verse 14, he has them close to his heart. Now, yes, of course, therefore, the Christian reading that has to see, see it all in terms of the calling that lies the other side of the great quaking of the earth at the cross of Jesus, because Jesus is himself the people of Israel. He is the strength whom God has raised up, the one that was promised, as, and it is just a promise in Psalm 148. He is that one. So we can know ourselves tonight to be that created and called people close to his heart. God is drawing you and me in the event of Jesus into a wonder and a praise that is greater than what the heavens and the earth, the sun, the stars, and the mountains can offer. Because in all his creation, only we, only you and I, are held close to the heart of God. Mountains aren't close to the heart of God. The heavens and all the heavenly host are not close to the heart of God. That's why, if you remember, they're listed. No, I'm separating them off. I'm creating them. I am bigger than they are. I stand over against them. But you, my beloved, you are close to my heart. It's very easy to want at the end of a sermon to say, go and, go and do something. Go and, you know, work harder at something or other. But you can't really do that from Psalm 148 because the only thing it wants you to do is to praise. If the mountains can praise, if the heavens can praise, then surely we who are close to his heart can praise because that's what we're for. It's what eternity will represent, not sitting on a cloud, but in our different, different ways, offering all that we are in holy new ways to the glory and the praise of our creator and our redeemer. So go out into the creation and look at its wonders. Go and look at the moon that is in eclipse. Go and look at the extraordinary stars. Go and look at whatever the bit is of the creation that moves you. But know this, you are held closer than the mountains, closer than the moon, closer than the waters, closer than the winds. Stable as they are, the stability of God's love for you because you are among his saints, is far, far greater. And then praise God. Because the final word is there in verse 14, as it comes to pass in the historical event that is the cross of Jesus. We are close to his heart, so praise the Lord.
Lord God, there are multiple complexities about our lives. Our lives are full of change. And we cannot always know in advance what it will mean to know that you are stable and faithful beyond all the enduring realities that are there in the psalm. But we know that it's true. And we give to you tonight those frustrations that arise from complexity, or perhaps because of the stress that we are living through right now. And we ask the grace from you and your spirit to live in the joy of being held close to your heart. And out of that joy, may we sing and speak your praise. Amen.